Well, we've come to the main message portion of our service now. You know, Jen uh, Fry isn't here today, and that's why I've been flying all over, uh, shutting off lights and turning on lights. That's usually her job. <laughs> so tell her I missed her a lot today, and we look forward to her being back. Well, let's open our Bibles to the Gospel of John as we start with prayer. Lord, as we uh, study today, we just pray that you... Touch us all with the message that you'll have us to understand today. And uh, sometimes scripture might be a little difficult to understand. And we just pray that you give us clarification today, that the Holy Spirit opens our minds and our hearts to take in what you've prepared today and that we we learn. So uh, thank you, Lord. We pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I was studying the Bible the other day and uh, read an interesting scripture and uh, at first, it, it caused me a little confusion, but uh, let me read it and see how you are with it, and maybe it might need a little clarification. This is John chapter 20 and verse 23. It talks about something that Jesus said to the uh, disciples. This is uh, after his resurrection from the dead. And he's giving them some instruction, and notice what he says here in John 20, verse 23. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Let me read that again. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. You know, at first glance, that causes me a little confusion. I know that God did not give us the authority to either forgive or not to forgive people their sins. So he must be saying something else here. Uh, God's word teaches everywhere else that our sins are forgiven when we place our faith in Jesus Christ. As we just heard the good news about uh, James Locklear, when he made the decision to accept Jesus as his savior and was baptized, his sins are forgiven because of that decision that he made based on his faith now in Jesus Christ. So our sins are forgiven when we place our faith in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. We're told to repent, to believe, to have faith in him. And when that happens, our sins are truly forgiven. And everywhere else in the Bible, it talks about Jesus as being the source of the forgiveness of our sins. Hold your place here, and let, let's look at a couple of other scriptures in Acts 10, verse 43. Acts 10 and verse 43, it says this. Acts 10, 43. All the prophets testify about him, Jesus, that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. So you see, it's up to Jesus to forgive, and he does forgive when we reach out to him in faith and belief. So forgiveness is something personally between you and God. When you truly confess, when you truly repent, when you truly have faith and belief in Jesus Christ, it's guaranteed, it's promised that our sins are forgiven. 
You know, uh, one other scripture, we don't need to turn there, but I'll read it to you. 1 John 1, verse 9. 1 John 1, verse 9 says this, If we confess our sins, He, Jesus Christ, is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That was 1 John 1, verse 9. So forgiveness is between a person, a sinner, and Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ promises, when we come to him in faith and belief and confess our sins to him, he is quick to forgive. So we can have faith in that, we can have assurance in that. God forgives our sins. So what did Jesus mean when he told the apostles and when he tells us, if you forgive anyone's sins, their sin is forgiven, and if you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. So only God can forgive sin. He never gave any such power to his disciples, nor did they ever assume such power to themselves to forgive sins. Now, you know, I can speak from my experience. You know, I was raised in the Catholic Church, which I'm very thankful for. You know, from my birth, my parents had me baptized, and I was raised in the teaching of the Catholic Church, uh, the nuns. And when I got into high school, it was uh, the brothers, Mary and his brothers, who dedicated their lives to teaching. And I'm very thankful for my Catholic upbringing and Catholic education. But one thing that I find fault in with regard to the Catholic Church is that they use that scripture, such as John 20, verse 23, as an excuse to place themselves in the place of God when it comes to forgiveness of sin. For those of you who don't have experience with the Catholic Church, there is a sacrament that they have called uh, confession and forgiveness of sin. So if you want to have your sins forgiven, you have to go into the church, into a little booth, and have a little talk with the priest. And you need to tell the priest everything you've done wrong. And the priest, in the eyes of the Catholic Church, is the dispenser, if you will, of God's grace. He will make a decision whether you are to be forgiven or not. Well, in most cases, you are forgiven. I suppose over the centuries there have been times, and I know from my studies of uh, Christian history, especially with regard to the Catholic Church, that there have been some times where Christians, like kings who have come to confess to uh, the Pope, where the Pope decided not to forgive them <laughs> because their sins were so heinous, uh, but be that as it may. This is one of the reasons for the Reformation that took place, Martin Luther, in the Middle Ages. Martin Luther and others who were in the church saw the discrepancies between what the Catholic Church was doing and the Bible. The Catholic Church felt that they alone, the, the, the Pope and the priesthood, kind of meted out God's grace to people. And in order to receive God's grace, and in order to have your sins forgiven, you had to go to the priest to confess the things that you've, did, you've done. I don't believe that the Bible teaches that, and that's one issue that I, I've had with the Catholic Church, but they still practice that. Uh, in fact, before I made my first communion, I had to go to confession, and you're supposed to go every so often to confess your sins when they build up so that you can be forgiven. 
But I don't see anything in the Bible that tells me that God gave that authority to men. When we repent of our sins, we go to God for forgiveness. Now, we know we are forgiven by the blood of Jesus Christ, by his death on the cross. So we certainly repent at the time that we're baptized, but God wants us to always be in a repentant attitude. When we sin now, now that we've been baptized for many, many, many years, when we do something wrong, of course, we should know that we do something wrong. It should you know, hit us and we think, oh no, I can't believe I did that. I can't believe those words came out of my mouth, you know, that I shouldn't say. Or I can't believe that I, you know, was nasty to a person or threatened somebody or did this or did that. When we do that now, even though we know we're forgiven by the blood of Jesus Christ for all of our sins, past, present, and future, God still wants us to come to him and say, Lord, I want to apologize for something. I sinned. I did this, I did that. You know, the longer we're Christians, the fewer our sins should be. You know, when we're first called and we first start reading the Bible, we realize a lot of things that we're doing wrong and things that God wants to change in our life. The longer we're a Christian, hopefully those things are fewer, but still when we sin, we come to God, not to beg Him for uh, uh, forgiveness, we know we're forgiven by the blood of Jesus Christ. We come to him with assurance. We say, Lord, you know, I should, should have known better. I shouldn't have treated my wife that way. I shouldn't have treated my husband that way. Or, you know, there are sins of commission. There are sins of omission. I was, uh, I told my wife, I confessed to my wife the other day. I went into uh, the uh, post office here in uh, Canfield. And uh, I got out of the car and was walking up toward the front door, and I noticed red on the sidewalk. I said, that looks like blood. So I started walking closer to the door, and there's a bench off to the side there, and there was a whole bunch of blood on, on the ground there. I thought, wow, somebody had an accident. So I walked into the uh, post office to mail a letter and just drop a letter in the slot, and I noticed an elderly woman sitting there with a, a white cloth on her chin like this. And there were a couple of other women there, so I thought, well, maybe she, she slipped and cut her chin or something, and I, I kind of thought, well, these other women are there, so they're surely taking care of her. So, you know, being busy that day, I w went on my way, went out and got in the car and drove away. And as I was driving down the road, I'm thinking to myself, you idiot. Why didn't you stop and inquire to this woman if she's okay or she needed some help? You know, maybe she fell and she kind of gathered herself up and was just sitting there in shock or whatever the case may be. I should have at least gone up to her and said, ma'am, are you okay? Is that your blood out there? I wouldn't have said that, but obviously it was. You need to go to the emergency room. Can I drive you to the emergency room? So I don't know what she was waiting for, if somebody was coming to pick her up or somebody was going to help her. Why didn't I ask? Where is that, the kindness of God in me to at least reach out and ask her if there's any way I can help? So I repented for that. That was a dumb thing for me to do. That was a sin of omission, where I omitted to do something I should have. So I went to God and I said, Lord, I know I'm forgiven by the blood of Jesus Christ, but I am sorry for uh, dropping the ball on that one. I should have been, as a Christian, 
or as a pastor, the first one up to her to ask if there's any service I could render for her. So when we repent, we repent to God. Okay? God is the one who forgives. Remember in Psalm 51, David, after his sins, rather severe sins that he committed, not only with Bathsheba, but when he had her husband sent to the front lines so that uh, he would be killed and that David could have Bathsheba to be his own, David finally repented in Psalm 51. I want to turn back there. Psalm 51. This is the psalm of repentance. If you ever want to repent to God for something, it's good to read through this psalm. It says in Psalm 51, verse 1, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion. Blot out my transgressions, my sins. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin, for I know my transgressions. My sin is always before me. Notice what he says in verse 4, Against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So when we, when we sin, it's against God. When we repent, we repent to God. Okay, We don't have to go to a filter or a human being that is going to kind of carry our words to God and then he's going to grant us forgiveness like they do in the Catholic Church. We have direct access to God. We have a pipeline to Him 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Whenever we want to pray, we don't need to go through a man. We go directly to God. You know, sometimes there are, are new people who come to church, you know, and they have a, a request or they have something important, and they come up to the minister and they say, well, would you pray for me? I say, well, of course I will. But I want them to know they too have direct access to God. Their prayer carries as much weight as anybody's. And that's something you learn over time as, as a Christian. But the point that I want to bring out here is that when we sin, we repent to God. God dispenses His grace to us directly, His forgiveness. We don't need to go through a person, and that's not what Jesus was talking about in John 20, verse 23. The Catholic Church believes it is. But like I said, elsewhere throughout the Bible, there's no uh, instruction about having to uh, confess to a man or a woman for that matter. Over the years, I've had people come up to me, and again, new people who come into the church, and they say, oh, pastor, I've sinned, and I, I want to tell you about it. And I say, you don't have to tell me about your sin. You can tell God about your sin and repent of it or confess it to him, and, and he will forgive you. Now, sometimes people just want to bounce something off of me, and fine, you know, I'll, I'll listen to what you have to say. But understand, you know, you want to get something off your chest or off your shoulders because you feel bad about a bad thing that you've done. Okay, I'll listen to it, but understand, forgiveness doesn't come from me. It comes from God. So what is the key to understanding that scripture? What was Jesus saying when he said, if you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven, and if you don't forgive them, they're not forgiven. Well, let's go back here to John chapter 20 and read a little bit of the, uh, the background of this verse. It says uh, in John 20, uh, verse 21, Jesus said to the disciples, and again, he was appearing to them after his resurrection, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you now. Okay, so this, he was commissioning 
the disciples to go out now and preach the gospel. He was about to ascend up to heaven. He wasn't going to be around physically anymore. Uh, he was going to send the Holy Spirit, but he was sending the disciples out to preach the gospel, kind of like we have been sent out to preach the gospel. So Jesus said, as the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. So he wasn't sending them out to either forgive or choose not to forgive people's sins. He was sending them out to preach the gospel. Now, as you preach the gospel, the opportunity may come up to explain to somebody, you know what? If you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, and if you believe, your sins then are forgiven. And you know, that reality is true on earth as it is in heaven. Belief in Jesus Christ and faith in Him as Savior and Lord brings your forgiveness of sin. However, if you don't, if you choose not to accept Jesus as your Savior, and you know, as we preach the gospel, this can be part of our message, or if we're, you know, talking with a person one-on-one -on -one and you're exp explaining to them what baptism and, and faith in Jesus is all about, we can also explain to them that, you know what, if you don't accept Jesus Christ, and of course it's your decision, and you make that decision in your good time, but understand this, if you don't accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, uh, you will not have eternal life. And you are still dead in your sins. So I think that's what Jesus was trying to explain to the disciples. When you go out with the gospel message now, and you talk to people about the importance of faith and belief in Jesus, and that's what salvation is all about, if you explain to them that their sins are forgiven when they're baptized, they're forgiven in heaven. And if you explain to somebody, listen, if you don't ever accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, your sins are not forgiven. You're still carrying those sins and the penalty for those sins. When you explain that to them, in heaven, heaven agrees. God agrees their sins are not forgiven. So in other words, what this scripture is saying, what Jesus was saying to the disciples and what he's saying to us, as I send you out there to preach the gospel, and when you have opportunity, you know, and you sit down with somebody and you're trying to help them a little bit through their troubles and what they're looking for in life, and you have the opportunity, God grants you the situation where you can talk to them a little bit about Jesus and explain to them, you know what? I was a sinner as well, and I still am to some extent, but I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, and you know what? From that point forward, all my sins are forgiven. I have faith and confidence in that because Scripture tells me that. And that's what I believe. And the same thing can happen to you. All you need to go, all you need to do is to go to Jesus in prayer, to accept Him as your Lord and Savior, to believe that He is the Son of God. And we're also told in the Bible to signify that by being baptized. When you do that, your sins are forgiven. Until you do that, you're still in your sins. And you're cut off from eternal life. You're cut off from the kingdom of God. So you've got a decision to make. And it's that person's decision. We can't force them or coerce them in any way. 
That's what Jesus was intending to say when he talked to the uh, disciples and as he talks to us and says, if you forgive anyone their sins, their sins are forgiven. As you explain to them about the gospel and what we need to do now to come under the blessings of the gospel, accept Jesus as your savior, be baptized to signify that, your sins are forgiven. And there's no greater thing for me to say when we baptize someone and they come up out of that water and we pray over them and I said, Lord, as this person stands before you now, every sin that they have ever committed or ever will commit is forgiven by the blood of Jesus Christ. What a wonderful thing to be able to say. And it's true. It's simply true. And it's true on earth and it's true in heaven. Heaven backs up those comments because it's reality. But until that person makes that decision and follows through, they're still carrying all their sins. There's only one way to have your sins forgiven. It's by the blood of Jesus Christ and your belief in it. By uh, claiming Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. So that's what Jesus was instructing the disciples to do. He was sending them out with the gospel as he's sending us out with the gospel. And you have the opportunity in talking to a person to tell them what reality is. Once you accept Jesus as Savior, your sins are forgiven, all of them. And until that time comes that you do that, you're still in your sin. Turn to John chapter 3, verse 36. John 3 and verse 36. Once again, it backs up this reality by saying this. John 3, 36, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on him. It's as simple as that. That's what the gospel's all about. It's about Jesus Christ and our faith and our belief in him. Today, we have the same commission as the original disciples. We're obligated to tell people the only way to be forgiven is through faith in Jesus Christ. So we don't have the power to forgive people's sins. Only God can do that. But we do have a responsibility when it comes to forgiveness. We can't, we don't have the authority to forgive people their sins. But one of the most powerful ways we have to teach others about God's forgiveness is by forgiving others ourselves. We do have a responsibility when it comes to that. Forgiveness is a key to showing we indeed have Jesus dwelling in us. So as we help people understand the gospel and what God requires them to do to be saved, one of the best examples we can set of that is being forgiving people ourselves. Think about that. We have a responsibility to forgive others. And that's a powerful tool to show people the grace of God. That it's not just God in heaven who can forgive, but since we are God's people, God is making us like himself so that we are quick to forgive ourselves. Okay? In Matthew chapter 5, and this is where I think the, the, the meaning or the significance of this sermon really hits home. 
Since God is so forgiving toward us, all we have to do is ask for forgiveness in Jesus Christ, and we are forgiven. God doesn't mince words. He knows our heart. You know, you don't have to go through a certain procedure when it comes to repentance because God knows our heart. He knows when we are truly repentant and we're sorry for the things that we do. You know, when we're raising kids, we always try to teach our kids to be sorry for doing wrong, for hurting others, for uh, breaking God's law. I remember, you know, we bring our kids before us when we knew that they were doing something wrong or they had done something wrong. And we'd say, well, why do you think you're in trouble? You know, and they'd say, well, because I, I you know, pulled my sister's hair and, uh, you know, I made her cry. And well, good. It's good that you know what you did wrong. Now, how do you feel about it? Well, you know, since I'm going to be punished, I guess I feel pretty bad. <laughs> we'd say, you need to go to your sister and you need to apologize to her and tell her you're sorry and tell her you're going to really try not to do it again. See, that's one of the responsibilities we have when it comes to raising kids. As Christians, certainly, we want to teach them to notice when they do something wrong, what is it that they've done wrong, and then be quick to apologize. And the one who was the uh, object of the wrongdoing needs to learn to forgive. And there were times where we would bring both of them together. You know, the, the, the bad one and the innocent one. And, you know, we would teach them, okay, now apologize to your sister for what you did. Well, I'm sorry. Okay, sister, now you accept that apology. Well, I don't know if I want to. You accept the apology. Because we're teaching them how it is working with God and, and in your relationship with God. Yeah, when you do something wrong, apologize. God, we know, is quick to forgive. So we must be quick to forgive as well. Now, God sets a wonderful example for us in this. And sometimes we forget about the necessity of uh, forgiving others, or apologizing for the things that we've done. I like this uh, scripture here in Matthew 5, verses 23 and 24. God puts such a priority on the relationship we have, not just with God, but with other people, whether they be church members or outside of the church. He puts a priority on settling differences, especially when it comes to offenses or hurt or, or something like that. I like this here. He says in Matthew 5, verse 23, Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to your brother, then come and offer your gift. So God is pleased when we can come and worship him with a clean conscience. You know, we have no reason to have anything on our conscience. If we've done something against God, we're quick to repent to God. And we have the confidence to know that that sin has been forgiven already by the blood of Jesus Christ. But God still wants us to be mindful of what we do wrong and to apologize for it. But when it comes to our relationship with other people, sometimes our sins have a negative effect on other people. We offend them by the things that we say. We hurt them by the things that we do. And God wants those relationships reconciled as well. He wants our relationship with Him to be reconciled, and He's done His work for that 
through the blood of Jesus Christ, but now he wants our relationship with others reconciled. And whether we did wrong or whether somebody did wrong to us, he says it's so important to reconcile this that even if it comes to worshiping God, put that aside momentarily, and you go, you mend that relationship. If you were the wrongdoer, you go apologize. If the other person was the wrongdoer, sometimes you have to go to that person, if they're not aware of it, and, and mention what they did to, to hurt you, and hopefully get an apology from them. In Matthew chapter 18, there's a, a splendid kind of step-by-step procedure to do if it's a church member. Let's turn there to Matthew chapter 18. And sometimes this works too when it comes to uh, outsiders, people who are not church members. Matthew 18, beginning in verse 15. Now this is talking about like within the church, people who should know better. If your brother sins against you, go and show him his fault, just between the two of you. So sometimes, you know, we offend one another, we don't even realize we've done it. So if you feel offended, you have the right to go to your brother or sister and say, you know, you may not realize this, but the other day when we were in that big group talking and you called me, you know, so-and-so, that hurt me. That really hurt me, and uh, I just wanted to to mention that to you, uh, you know. And hopefully the other person is going to say, oh, I'm really sorry, that was just a joke, but oh, yeah, you took it seriously, and I didn't mean it to be that way, but you know what, I apologize. Case closed, it's settled, okay? But then it, it says, if he listens to you, you have won your brother over, but if he will not listen, take one or two others along, so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, treat him as you would a pagan or a tax collector. So Jesus even steps out, uh, sets out a step-by-step procedure as to how to handle situations that happen like that. And you know, I remember years and years ago in the church when we were more legalistic, that occasions like this would come up more frequently. Not so much anymore. I think ever since we became grace-based and focused on Jesus Christ, I think a lot of this has been solved and and prevented in advance because we're more watchful to how we act as a Christian and we're not making big mistakes and causing huge offenses, maybe like used to happen in the church years and years ago. And that's great because that shows progress. But God's not only concerned with our relationship to Him, He's concerned with our relationship to each other. We should not carry things around on our conscience. Instead, we should go and reconcile relationships with other people. And I know that that can be difficult at times. It really can. Because hurts are really deep. And sometimes, you know, it's not just a casual word or being snubbed at, a, at an event or something like that that hurts you. Sometimes it's, it's really hard where somebody steals your life savings or somebody murders somebody close to you. Wow, that's hard to forgive when that sort of thing happens. It's one of the greatest challenges I think we have in our Christian walk is forgiveness when the hurt was really, really bad. But you know what? Uh, God encourages us along this way. Let's turn to Colossians 3 and verse 13. 
Colossians 3 and verse 13. Sometimes it takes time to forgive someone. You can't just, on the spur of the moment, say, oh yeah, you, you, you know, wiped out my life savings, you hacked my uh, credit card. Yeah, oh, don't worry about it, I, <laughs> I forgive you. It's hard to do that, and in a lot of cases, it's not really from the heart when you do that. It needs to be from the heart. It needs to be a real forgiveness. But notice uh, what the Apostle Paul encourages us to do here in Colossians 3 and verse 13. He says, well, beginning in verse 12, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion. In other words, you know, kind of put yourself in the other person's shoes. Why may they have done that to you? What have they been going through in their lives? What issues are they dealing with in their lives? Put yourself in their shoes, so to speak. Clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Wow. That's the trump card that God plays right there. You are not allowed to hold grievances against other people. Now, you know, there are some situations where you may have to take somebody outside of the church to court, uh, maybe to get just recompense, try to get your money back if they cheated you. But there comes a point in time where you have to forgive. Why? Because God has forgiven you for everything that you've done wrong. So now you have a responsibility to forgive others. And it doesn't make a list here of things that you can forgive and things that maybe you you don't have to forgive. They asked Jesus Christ, Peter did, how many times, Lord, do do I have to forgive my brother? Seven times? Wouldn't that be good, Lord, if I forgive seven times? That's a godly number. Would I be held in high esteem in heaven if I I actually forgive seven times? Jesus said, no, 70 times seven. In other words, an unlimited amount of times. That's how often you have to forgive. An unlimited amount of times. Why? Because God has forgiven you an unlimited amount of times. You know, Jesus could say, here, let me get out a list here of all the things you've done wrong in your life. And you will start when you were one year old, and we'll go through the whole list, and we'll show you how much God has forgiven in your case. Well, I wouldn't want that. (laughs) No, never mind the list. I get the point, Lord. I've been forgiven an awful lot. He says, fine. Forgive as you have been forgiven. And sometimes we need God's help to forgive people. But, you know, we're constantly brought back to Jesus' example of Jesus taking on all our sins. He never committed a sin, but yet he took on all of our sins to pay the penalty for them. And there's, can you imagine, I can't even begin to count the number of times I've sinned in my life. How about all the times the whole world throughout history has sinned? Who could even compose such a list? Well, God knows. And Jesus came down to this earth to die on the cross to pay the penalty for all those sins, including all of ours individually. 
throughout our whole life, and he even died for sins that we're yet to commit in the years ahead. Now, who are we to forgive, or who are we to not forgive somebody who has harmed us? Does it hurt? Yeah, it hurts. Does it take time? In some cases, yes. And sometimes we have to go to God and say, Lord, I know I'm supposed to forgive this person, but I can't find it within myself yet to forgive. Well, human forgiveness, I think, only goes so far. I think sometimes we forgive other people with divine forgiveness. You know, God gives us a lot of different characteristics and abilities and gifts and talents. And I think sometimes we need help from God to forgive others. And if we truly ask him and cry out for that help, he will supply it. It may take a little while. It may take us getting closer to God in our relationship with him. But with God, all things are possible. I don't think that there's any situation that cannot be forgiven by the grace of God. And like I said, it's one of the toughest parts of our Christian walk in this life to forgive others. There are some people who will never forgive. You know, there are some people in this world, uh, you look at different areas, there's such hatred, there's such resentment in people's hearts and minds against others. And can you imagine going through your life with a heart filled with hatred, resentment, and bitterness? You know, there's a scripture in the, in the book of Proverbs that talks about living a life that way with a heart full of bitterness, hatred, and resentment. It eats away at your, your soul, and it eats away at your health. It makes you old before your time. It's, it's a burden that you put on yourself that God never intended for you to carry. God provided a solution to sin. Not just for the forgiveness of sin, but to give the ability to forgive others and to accept somebody's apology when they come to you to repent or to apologize for something that they did to you. It's hard, but uh, you know what? We live in a fallen world, and sins happen every day, and hurt takes place every day. I look forward to the kingdom of God. You know, when we're with God, uh, in our new life, this kind of stuff is not going to happen anymore. Because everybody is going to be so close to God and so filled with the Holy Spirit that there's not going to be any sin. There's not going to be any death. We're all going to live in accordance with the nature of God. Totally. 100%. But until that time comes, we have to deal with these issues. So what was Jesus saying back here in John chapter 20? When you go out and you uh, spread the gospel... You have the authority, or you have the, the, way, the, the, the power, the uh, God-given authority to explain to people. Until you claim Jesus as your Savior, you're still in your sins. Your sins have not been forgiven. But once you accept Jesus and have faith in Him as your Lord and Savior, your sins are forgiven. And that decision or that advice is backed up in heaven itself by God. Nobody has to go to any other man to confess their sins. You don't have to go to a priest. You don't have to go to the Pope. Uh, they believe in that. We don't. The Bible doesn't teach that. We have direct access to God. 
no matter what our problem is, no matter what our sin is, He distributes grace directly to us. We don't have to go through a man to receive that. And when it comes to repentance, we repent to God, but we also have a responsibility to each other to apologize for the things we've done to hurt other people and also to accept that apology and to forgive. Like I said, it's really hard. Well, I feel good in my relationship with God, but when it comes to other people, I struggle. See, I can pray to God and apologize for what I've done, but I can't go to my brother. I can't go face him and tell him what I've done wrong and apologize for it. That's really lowering yourself, and I don't feel comfortable lowering myself to apologize to him. Sorry, that's what's required of you as a Christian. And I don't know if, if I feel like forgiving somebody for the things that, I've, I've, that they've done to me. Well, again, that's your responsibility as a Christian. Be quick to, to do that. And when you do it, let it be not fake, but let it be from the heart. Amen. Because when you do that, you are demonstrating the very character of God. So sin is an awful thing. Sometimes I wish it would just go away, totally away. But as long as we live in this fallen world, it's going to be around. And it's going to affect our, us, and it's going to affect other people. God gives us instruction on how to handle it. Let's pray that we have the faith to do just that. Heavenly Father, thank you for the instruction from Jesus himself as to how we should live as Christians. And let us take his advice. And furthermore, Lord, let us be quick to forgive and quick to apologize for wrongdoing. It's going to make our life a whole lot better, and it's going to make the lives of others, those who have hurt us and those whom we have hurt. You're all about reconciliation, God, and you want reconciliation not just between us and you, but between us and other people. Help us be quick to do that and to follow your instruction. We know that we'll be blessed for it. All glory and honor goes to you, God. Thank you for being such a forgiving God. We don't deserve it. Your grace is wonderful. Thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.